Hey everybody and welcome back to the Off the Key Podcast. I'm your host Mac and I'm joined today by my two regular co-hosts, Garrett and James. Hello, hello. And today, for the final 2022 related episode of Off the Key Podcast, we are going to be talking about our best albums of 2022. Top 10 with some honorable mentions. Now we're going to keep this kind of quick because there's a lot of material to cover. But we're going to start with our honorable mentions. You know, there's been a lot of really great music this year. We've covered it a little bit. We talked about it a little bit in the Worst Albums episode. You know, like this big punk resurgence. Rap has been killer this decade so far. And a lot of really interesting, unique projects popping up here and there. There's been a lot of like dream pop and shoegaze that's come out this year. That's really interesting. I'm a whole smorgasbord of great and exciting and cutting edge music. Let's go ahead and dip right into it. So I'm going to start with some of my honorable mentions. Now, I actually did a top 50 list. So this is just going to be my five through my 15 through 11 spots. But yes, so at number 15 for honorable mentions, at least for me, I had Soul Glow with Diaspora Problems. This is one of the nastiest, hardest hitting and most fucking anarchy charged records of 2022 and also one of the best punk records of this year. This thing hits, man. I was introduced to Soul Glow by... Uh, my girlfriend, actually, who um, was curious about them because they were actually touring with Circus Survive, of all people. And we were actually going to go see them live. But in Circus Survive actually canceled his tour and we didn't get to see them. But I've been following them ever since. And let me tell you, man, I am so glad these guys blew up because they are some of the nastiest, hardest hitting hardcore punk that you can listen to right now. So I only have two honorable mentions. And the first one being Rina Sawayama's Hold the Girl. This was a good borderline between avant pop, think Bjork, and a more mainstream style of pop. It was a really good mix between the two, and there were a lot of really good things and really interesting and creative things that Rihanna did on this album, not to mention the great production and, and beautiful songwriting. There are a lot of things on this album that one can appreciate, and very much that I did. It didn't quite make the top 10 list because, well, there's a lot of other things that kind of bloated it out of there, but I would still highly recommend this album. It's a great pop album for a listener that doesn't want, that wants something a little more than just the the generic mainstream pop. We had an episode about it. You should check it out. Anyway, Garrett, what's an honorable mention for you? Uh, Probably Don FM by The Weeknd. One of his, probably my favorite record of his since, like, his early, like, trilogy. Um, great album all the way through. His singing has actually, like, matured and, like, gotten better. He, I think he's kind of extended, not really the range, but, like, stylistic choices. And this is really artistic in, like, its scope and, like, its like thoughts of, like, the afterlife and how that plays into the recording. Just a very creative pop record uh, with an overall scope that almost kind of gives it a... Yeah, it's almost kind of like concept album, and it's... Well, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, basically, the concept is, like, he's in a traffic jam on the way to the afterlife. And I, I think the, like, motifs and the theme of Don FM are really cool. It's a little corny, and I do think there are a couple of tracks that don't land, but, like, still amazing record. To move on, I'll go with two picks, because I have five total for my honorable mentions. Um, my number 14 pick, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future by Denzel Curry. I think this is the best Denzel Curry album. Denzel Curry, from the moment Ultimate came out, 
in the 2010s, the hard-hitting rap music that he was making then, to what he's doing now, this more measured, jazzy, soulful, mature stuff, has been consistently great. I think Denzel Curry is one of the best and most consistent rappers in the game right now, along with the likes of Freddie Gibbs, you know, J.I.D., even, uh, you know, Billy Woods, you know, the Griselda label, you know. Denzel Curry made a measured, mature, fantastic album, and I think it is the best Denzel Curry album to date. Listen to this thing. The only reason it's not on my top 10 is because there were a few rap albums that I thought were better. Now, next up, we have my number 13, King's Disease 3 by Nas. Nas has had one of the biggest resurgences I have seen for any rapper. He has been putting out an insanely consistent amount of quality work over the past three years with Hit Boy, and King's Disease 3 is the icing on the cake. It is the best in the trilogy, and it is the best album that Nas has put out in years. I mean, King's Disease 2, that was fantastic. King's Disease 1 was the weakest, but that was still huge, still a great project. Even Magic was fantastic. And I only hope that Nas continues to stay on this hot streak because it is mind-blowing to me that someone this late into their career who many people have said is washed, you know, done, he's past his prime, is proving everyone wrong. James, hit me with your next honorable mention. This would be The Blind Guardian and their album The God Machine. The metal scene is primarily dominated by Prague or, you know, one of the various cores. But these guys did a really, really good job. It's just a thoroughly intense, heavy, enjoyable album from start to finish. The only reason it didn't make it onto my top ten is my main criticism of it is they're teetering on the edge of the Greta Van Fleet problem. They sound so much like Judas Priest, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they, they've been around for a long time. Yeah, they, yeah, they've been around since the 90s, but um, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the record, too. But anyway, Garrett, what's another honorable mention for you? My second honorable mention will be A Foul Form by the OCs. Now, the OCs have a, a history of a lot of lineup changes, bands centered around their primary vocalist and guitarist, and they've had a lot of garage rock, DIY rock, and some of their projects range from very experimental and little noodly to straight-up riffy, Garage Rock Goodness, like Mutilator Defeated at Last, which I think is a tremendous album of the 2010s. And this album saw them getting a little heavier, approaching punk, hardcore punk-esque territory, with the singer being a lot more aggressive, the music being grittier, faster, uh, more up-tempo. I think that it really lands. It's a great direction. A lot of the tracks are, are really solid. And I think I like... One of the biggest criticisms of the band for me, and really from anyone, is that the singer is kind of like the weakest, the vocals are the weakest part, and I feel like that kind of like just scratchy, like intentional, like punk vocal is his best fit, that it's, it's up there. It was very, very close to making the list. I'll go ahead and get on to my number 12 pick. That would be AFOPS by Billy Woods. Billy Woods is one of the most underrated rappers in the rap scene. This guy is a true lyricist has amazing flows, and is such a great storyteller. The, the story being told in Aethopes is so real, and the beats and the concept got this real dusty overlay to it. It's very coarse and gritty. I think this makes for one of the most thoughtful rap projects of the year. So what's another pick for you, Garrett? The Hurt Book by Alex Vaughn. I feel like this was a very authentic, straightforward, simplistic R&B album, the likes of which... 
we haven't gotten in a little while as far as like how old school it is. A knock on the album is that the instrumentals are like, and like the songwriting is very simplistic, but I felt that kind of refreshing because a lot of R&B has been very electronic based. Using a lot more like hip hop yeah, instrumentals. And, yeah, a lot more elements, but this, this kind of took it to like the old like 90s, you know, like Mary J. Blige kind of stuff. And I'm, I vibe with it. I definitely really enjoy it. It was definitely a surprise sleeper hit to me. And that's kind of why I wanted to mention it because I didn't think we'd ever have really like an episode about it or anything. But and it's not like super high on the list. It wouldn't be like my 11th or 12th pick or anything high like that. But it was the most honorable of honorable mentions. Now for my number 11 pick that just barely didn't make the cut, Answer Up There by Black Country New Red. Don't listen to him. He's capping. You are literally in the minority on this. I think this is one of the best underground rock records to come out in a long time. Now, do I think it's better than their first record? No, I disagree. It's definitely not. I disagree there, but I still think this is a fantastic record. There are so many great moments on it, and it's a damn shame that the singer quit right before the album came out, but I think he brings a lot of feel and emotion and personality to this record. And the instrumentals are all beautiful. I mean, it is, you, you are kind of right. You know, they're, they're, they kind of sound like some Arcade Fire covers. There's, there's a little bit of Arcade Fire influence. I still think this is a really enjoyable record and one of the most interesting to come out of the UK right now. And Black Country New Road is one of the most exciting bands in the UK right now. Besides a, another group that is on my top 10 list that we have definitely talked about before. Garrett, take the floor, finish us out. Omnium Gatherum by King Gizzard. And I'll just kind of lump this into... The King Gizzard experience this year has really been about 50%. Like half of them have been like pretty decent to great tracks, and the other 50% have just been an absolute mountain of crap. Nothing better encompasses this than Omnium Gatherum. Now I've I've kind of come around to it. Tracks that they do get right and that they they did stay true to their roots, I think really hit. I think they need to be a little bit more concise and even though they've kind of hung their hat on experimentation, I think they need to kind of scale it back a little bit because when they have scaled it back, I think the parts of Omnium Gathering that are concise are some of the best gizzard we've ever gotten. The problem is they're starting to do like really, really elongated jam rock, like having like 17 minute long songs. Yeah, they're kind of turning into a jam band. Yeah, and I kind of wish they'd stray away from that because when they do, they make some really just banger tracks. All of these picks I feel like could have made the top 10 list in some way, at least for me. That's not to say that these aren't worth your attention. That's exactly why we're bringing them up here is because they deserve your attention. Let's go ahead and get right into the top 10 list. The boys and I have already kind of compared our lists and there are some similarities, but there's also a lot of stuff that it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. So I'll go ahead and give mine a start. My number 10 pick for 2022 was Hatchies Giving the World Away. Now, as far as dream pop, and shoegaze goes i think this is one of the best modern shoegaze and dream pop albums to come out in a long time there is a little bit of worship of that 90s sound i think this album has some of the stickiest hooks some of the most beautiful and ethereal dream pop instrumentals i've heard this year the close second being beach house's once twice melody the hooks are so good like they can really stand on their own even if the synths weren't as like creamy and buttery as they were like god they're so good this is a great record it's such an easy accessible oh, listen yes. to this is one of the records that i have come back to the most this year i don't i don't blame you it's, it's right up there yeah it's so easy it's so addictive and it's a great pop record if you're a fan of dream pop and you haven't heard this go listen to that record and if you haven't listened to once twice melody also do that 
James. My number 10 pick is Empire Central by Snarky Puppy. This album, while I do believe it's a little bloated, in terms of me enjoying an experience, this was an A grade for me. There are many times where it had me dancing or it had me feeling just happy in general. I was hooked to every single thing that the musicians were doing. I am a drummer, of course, so the drumming in it is incredible. Shout out to Lorna Lewis. It is a great jazz fusion record through and through and a very engaging and unforgettable experience. My Gary. number 10, Diaspora Problems by Soul Glow. The most up-tempo, aggressive, get-me-in-the-mood-to-really-layeth-the-smacketh-downeth, as The Rock would say. I mean, man, there is there was a several days where I put this on and I did some work. I mean, I tell you what, this is aggressive and it is a nonstop thrill ride. It is not zero to 100. It just starts at 100 and then it ends at 100. I mean, the vocals are, you know, they're real aggressive and they're very hardcore punk, but it's not like an earache. You know, some some hardcore punk, you just kind of want to take your headphones off and kind of be like, ooh. Oh, God, that was kind of rough, but not these. It's very... I do it's think it's kind of wordy. Yeah. It's more of an accessible, easy listen than a lot of hardcore punk is, and it's very well done. It's very crisp, while still having like a kind of lo-fi basement sound, but it doesn't really have... Oh, wow, this was really recorded with like one mic and a computer. In, like, somebody's, not, in somebody's bathroom. Yeah, it's not overly muddy and just yeah. all shitty. But sound, it is raw, yeah. and that's what I appreciate yes. about it. On to our number nine pick. And I think all of us, well, I think you and me, Garrett, also have this pick. It's uh, God Don't Make Mistakes by Conway the Machine. Yeah, boy. Great album. This is, in my opinion, the best album to come out of the Griselda label. Conway has been around for fucking ever. His story is pretty inspirational, and he kind of gets into that on this record. You know, he talks about the night he was shot in the neck and got Bell's palsy and it. This is a very deep, emotional, and intense record while also being hard as hell. Conway the Machine really showed up this year, and I'm so glad he's getting more attention than he was before. And Griselda in general. Like, if you ask me, like, gangster rap right now, you want Griselda. West Side Gun, Benny the Butcher, Conway the Machine. They got it down, man. And their output is nuts. I think it's one of the best rap albums of this year and one of the best rap albums of 2020 so far. Number nine, this is the first of four rap records on my top ten. Stacked that, this year, man. Yeah, that just mm -hmm. goes to show what we've been saying, man. Rap is going crazy right now. Number nine, Pusha T's It's Almost Dry. This is, in my opinion, this will go down as a classic folk rap record. Everything, it's very emotional. It's very raw. It's very, he does not hold anything back. He's just totally open and honest, fully authentic, and I love it. Plus, the production and the beats brings me back to the 90s, man. Now, my number nine is maybe somewhat controversial because we did kind of talk about it in a light that we were kind of disappointed, but that's honestly given the man's other discography, and that was Soul Sold Separately by Freddie Gibbs. Now, while it's disappointing in the context of Freddie Gibbs, it is not disappointing in context of to me, all the other albums that have happened this year. And besides, like, two songs, I really enjoyed this record. I've come back to it a lot on my hip-hop playlist. And besides, you know, like, Rick Ross, you know, just 
dumping another piece of crap on every other feature that he's done like the last two years. All the features were really good, and the last half—I mean, the last half of this album was just super solid. I feel like while it wasn't as consistent as far as like the straightforward quality, I, the later half had a lot of replayability, and that's what made me put it at number nine. Now, for my number eight pick, I picked Bjork's Fasora. I genuinely believe this is one of the best Bjork records. I think it's fantastic. Love the concept, you know, kind of comparing, you know, Mycelian to Motherhood. It's a really interesting concept for a pop record. I love the instrumentals on this album. I love the vocals. And I, I think it's a very unique meditation on motherhood so late in Bjork's life. Now, some of her later material, some of her 2010 stuff I have not cared for. I did not like her last record at all. And I did enjoy Volnikira, but it was a tough listen. It's not one I go back to often. I think this is right up there in terms of uh, modern Bjork records. Now, this is one of the albums. This is your album that I did not care for. It wasn't. I mean, I, I can get it. I understand. I, her, I like her voice. I have nothing wrong. I love her voice, but her instrumentals along with her voice, it makes the songs sound so herky-jerky. It There's almost an uneasiness to it. It's very uneven. It's kind of almost kind of, I don't really say industrial because that's not how it, the sonic sound is, but it has that kind of like industrial. And I don't really think it it fits her as well as it could. I feel like... Very dissonant. Even though I didn't really care for post, I feel like the post, like it's kind of the orchestra, like the orchestration and like all the instruments, like the violin, like the strings and stuff fit her more than that kind of like real, like electronic, like uneven style did. And like, I, while I thought it was overall a pretty solid record, they probably wouldn't have made top 20, 25 for me. And then again, I'm just, I, I just can't get into Bjork, man. I just, I, I wish like, I could because I love her voice. I, I, I just, I totally <laughs> understand people who can't get into Bjork, but I actually really like her delivery style, like, a lot. You know, it, it, I think it's tough for some people to swallow because it is very, like, jerky and disjointed, kind of like you were talking about. But I love everything surrounding it, like the concepts that she goes with, the you know, the sonics, the instrumentals, how she chooses to, like, portray these ideas through that. Like, I think it's really interesting. And I, this is, to me, one of the coolest concept records of this year. I'm not Avant enough for Bjork. It's okay, man. We, we we all can't like Bjork. You no, know, I don't think Bjork is for everybody, but I think this is a really creative record. No, I do. I do appreciate the the creativity and the willing the experimentation, and she does have a very beautiful voice. What I've heard across, from what little I've heard across her discography, it's she does make a lot of really cool and creative choices that I would not have expected. But I'm just, like. Garrett, I just can't really get into it. Great record. Please check it out. My number eight is The Forever Story by Jid. This should have been higher. <laughs> I also love the album. It's a great album. It's just I enjoyed other albums more. This album has a very good mix of... It's weird. It's it's almost like a a tender, soulful like emotion to it, a raw emotional to it combined with just an intensity it's really really good and especially the beats and the production they sound very very crisp that aretha sample goes off yes dude, dude i've i fucking love it <laughs> and please i would highly recommend this album go listen to it so what was your number eight now you probably saw this coming but my number eight is a light for attracting attention by the smile it is practically for all intents and purposes, a Radiohead record. It's a Radiohead album. 
not near as good as a moonshape pool, but definitely worth including. Had a lot of tracks that I went back to. It was more aggressive on Tom York's side, both in style and in lyrics. Instead of concepts and ideas being hid behind metaphors, he's very straight to the point with like his political ideas and like, you know, his general malaise, you know, of the current, you know, world situation. And so it's a lot more harder rock than we're used to with Radiohead, but also Greenwood is keeping the same kind of sonic profile that Radiohead had, and the new drummer is tremendous. I think it was overall, it had a song or two here that I didn't really care for, slight pacing issues, but overall, tremendous record, and it really scratched the Radiohead itch. Well said. I, mm-hmm. I didn't love the record as much as you did, but it, it, was, it landed on my like actual honorable mentions list. So It, it wasn't bad, but not my thing. Now, moving on to my number seven pick, Black Thought and Danger Mouse with Cheat Codes. Should yeah. be higher. Should, be, Should higher. be higher. Yep. I love this album. I think it's amazing. I think it's the best rap collaboration of 2022. I was highly anticipating this album. This is probably the most, besides the new Kendrick album, this was the most anticipated record for me, and it fucking delivers, man. The production from Danger Mouse, I love that we got a return from him. You know, this is the first rap album he's done since Danger Doom in like 2005 or six. I love how like gritty and kind of dusty these beats are. The sampling, every single feature on this album kills it. Slays it, man. Black Thought brings some of his best rhymes and bars, period. By and large, one of the best rap records of the year. Please check this thing out. It it has a throwback sound and it feels fresh while not feeling dated. Number seven. Take It Like a Man by Amanda Shires. There's been a lot of good country and folk releases over the past few years. This album is as emotional and raw and deep as it can get, man. Like This is everything that you want out of a good country album. Her singing, her talent is off the chain. It's top-notch, and... She delivers a a really a soulful experience throughout the album. It even gets kind of jazzy at some points. Like. Yeah, absolutely. She incorporates a lot of unexpected things for a folk and country album. Man, I'm telling you, you really, really got to listen to this. Dive a little deeper, and you'll find some gold. I agree. Yeah, love her voice, too. Yeah. It's I not just, too overly twangy. Mm-hmm. Right there at it's, that. Just it's nice. just right. Yep. Yeah. My number seven. Is Domi and J.D. Beck's not tight? Could this have been lower? Yes. But this was my gateway drug. This is the Pokemon to watching anime. This is the, you know, spaghetti to, like, other Italian food. Yeah, this, is, this, is the, this is the marijuana to the crystal meth. This is my gateway drug to jazz. And this was my first jazz fusion record that I absolutely just could stand. And not only that, I really love this record. The drums are absurd. Are absurd. They could, they honestly like. I focused in on them almost as much as like a guitar lick or a riff. the The keyboard playing and bass playing is ridiculous. The features are great, including the Anderson Pop feature is great. And there is literally only one track that I didn't care for. All the rest. Are bangers and 
they're super replayable. They're super twinkly and sparkly and and, and jazzy. Cozy, very cozy. Yes, and it's just such a warm, pleasant record. It really su- took me by storm, and I'll love it for that. Oh, yeah, and we got to see them live uh, a couple months ago, and that was a great show. They're so good. I, I love seeing them live. They were doing, like, the craziest, like, deep-cut jazz covers, too. Mm-hmm. Very obscure stuff. And even throwing in some of their YouTube clips, their YouTube covers. Yeah, they, they, did. They, did the, uh, they did the Mad Villainy medley, and yep. bruh. That, I felt that so hard because I, I'm, I'm never going to get to see MF Doom live. It gave you a little That, a little that hit warmth. me in the feels, man. Yeah, gave you a little warmth there. It, it was a great show. Highly recommend. Yeah. Love these guys. I cannot wait for what they do next. We also got to meet them, actually. Yes. Very cool experience. I asked them about what it was like working with Herbie Hancock, and they had some interesting uh, insights. <laughs> Apparently, he really likes vegan chicken nuggets. Yes. <laughs> Which is interesting. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I'm not that surprised, to be honest, but hey, Herbie's a legend. But yeah, the, these two, I, I can't wait for it. Yeah. And, Unsurprisingly, to be honest, they're very humble and, and a joy to be around. Oh, yeah. Very pleasant people. But anyway, um, moving on. So now we're on to our number six pick with my number six, Natalia Laforcade's De Todas Las Flores. This record is beautiful. It is elegant, graceful. It is so pleasant, easy to listen to. It is like a dream. And I cannot recommend it enough. Natalia's singing is so sweet. Please listen to this record. I found it very last minute. Um, it landed on a bunch of people's year-end lists. I know it came out very late in the year. Very jazzy. It's got a lot of samba. You know, there's very diverse instrumentals. And it is so smooth and easy to listen to from start to finish. This is an incredible album. Please give it a listen. Natalia Laforcade is a great songwriter too. I know it's in, it is in Spanish. It is a Spanish record. Uh, she's based out of Mexico. I've looked up the translations, but mm. she's one of the best singer songwriters coming out of Mexico right now. This is the kind of stuff that I look for in, in Latin music. This is a beautiful record. Please listen to it. Take the floor, James. Number six, Hellfire by Black Midi. This album is fucking insane. I mean, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Like, it goes just so many crazy different directions, and the intensity is beyond 100. The musical chops is, of course, what you would expect with any Black Midi project. These guys are really the new, young... Cutting edge. He- cutting edge, heavy-hitting, like, progressive fusion rock out there, and I can't get enough of it. And I would highly recommend not only listening to this record, but seeing this band live. It is a whole other experience to see them live. And man, I mean, that was a fucking experience. Yeah, Matt can tell you because we went together and it was just wild. These, in my opinion, is one of the best acts to come out of modern underground rock, if not the best. Yeah, they're they're the cream of the crop. I 100% agree. Now, my pick for number six is The Forever Story by Jid. This is also the pick that I hope wins, who I would think as far as like a pop, really popular record goes, would win Album of the Year. Like if I had to say, out of all like the top five like contestants I've seen. Is, this is, is it nominated? I'm not sure. 
But if it's not, it definitely should win, I think. Now, why was it? It could have easily been higher, almost to even number one, because I think the production quality, the features, the lyricism, the flows is that good. My only problem is I've never really been the biggest Jid fan because of his some of his social inflections that he does when he's rapping. And he doesn't do them near as much on this album, I don't think. But it's kind of like when people don't like when Kendrick does his like, oh, oh, that's boo boo. When like people don't like that voice he does, I kind of have similar feelings to some of Jid's vocal inflections. That's what brings it down for me. I don't particularly care for the chorus of dance now and like that vocal inflection that he uses. And I definitely like the more soulful cuts on the album. And that's that's the only reason. Why it's not higher. It could easily have been higher. Potentially even number one. It has that much potential. It is so sharp. It is so well thought out. Everyone that had a hand in this album did their absolute best. And you can tell. We are now into our top five picks. And for this one, this one was also kind of a last minute pick. I was turned on to this record by Deep Cuts. And man, this is an odd one. So Sam Gendel's Blue Blue is by far one of the most peculiar albums I've encountered this year and in a while. So it was born from a collaboration with a Japanese clothing company that deals in a style of embroidery called Sashiko. And each track on the album is named after a stitching pattern within that Sashiko embroidery style. So Blue Blue as an album, it's it is a hypnotic yet graceful combination of surprisingly accessible freeform jazz with coarse but inviting lo-fi textures. And it makes this record even more impressive when you find out that Sam Gendel contributed all the instrumentals and arrangements for the record in a small cabin in Oregon facing the Columbia River. This is a very hypnotic project. That's the best way I can describe it. It kind of just sucks you in when you start listening to it. The lo-fi textures... With a lot of lo-fi music, you can often find the sound to be a little grating, but like sonically speaking, this is a very inviting and cozy yet almost cold record. It almost sounds like you're in the cabin with him as he's recording it. And I think that's just a really, really interesting concept for a record. And how this record was born is also crazy. And it really, it's very minimalist too. Like there's only really guitar, there's a lot of freeform sax, and the freeform parts, I feel, aren't that alienating. Like, it's pretty accessible. The drums, they're very dirty. They're very, like, coarse. But it adds to the, the mood. And I think this is a great jazz record. I feel like this record, it's created a little differently than how I enjoy music. I feel like it's an exception to the rule of how I usually enjoy music. Selected ambient works is like that, that it's not it's not the strength of its hooks or its parts but more of its sounds and like overall feeling but i will say that i would not like this record at all if it didn't have a really good like solid repeating backbone similar to um the floating points record that we reviewed earlier in the year where it has that background all throughout the different songs if it didn't have that i wouldn't i would not like this record at all because it has that it ties everything together oh, yeah. and you enjoy your grounded and you enjoy it even more so I actually am it's, pretty, it's a, I actually I actually enjoy the record yeah, and it sound I will say it is not for every location. You cannot listen to this really anywhere besides like with headphones in a somewhat quiet sphere because you will miss a lot of stuff. This record took me by surprise. 
I was kind of blown away by it. And I love kind of how you're saying you brought up a really good point, like how cohesive it is. Cause a lot of Sam Gendel's other stuff is very avant-garde, very free jazz. You know, the, the consistency in his stuff is that it is all over the place, but this has one clear mood atmosphere and idea and it sticks with it. And that makes it really satisfying to me. Great fucking record. I think it's the best jazz record of the year. I agree with Garrett's assessment there. You've got to have that, especially with freeform jazz. And I, you know, I get it. Some people do enjoy the really wild, the loose went totally free jazz and stuff. But for me, I've I've got to have at least a little bit of a a groove or a or something to hold me down. And this this provided that. With that, I enjoyed the improvisation even more. Number five, James. Ladies and gentlemen, Nas is back. I I understand he has put out some good records for a while now, a few years, but this one, damn, this is just about back to his Illmatic days, man. This is a fucking great hip-hop record. Please, please listen to it. It, the rapping, the lyrics, the production, the beats, Everything about it just brings me back to those days. And it's not like a nostalgia trip. It's not only a nostalgia trip, I should say. It's a genuine, great new project that he's done. And he's not just trying to copy himself. or It's not like a midlife crisis kind of thing, you know. It's a genuine, great musical project. And you can tell that he has put every ounce of passion into it. Yeah, he's in the middle of a creative renaissance right now, if you ask me. Like, I'm blown away by the quality of these records. And I, I agree with you, dude. There is a song on here that is literally him rapping from the concept of rap beef itself. Is that not fucking crazy? Yeah. You know how hard of an idea that is to tackle? And he fucking murders it. I believe that if you're interested in, like, really, like, close examination and hypothetical arguments and, like, rankings and stuff. This late career resurgence from Nas has put him in, like, oh, he's top ten, but he's, you know, nebulous. I think this puts him firmly in the top five, no doubt. Like, without a doubt. Like, he has solidified his place as a rap all-time on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, hell, even without all this stuff, with Elmatic alone, you could you could not make an argument are the greatest rappers of all time without including Nas in the conversation. But with these, yeah, he's going to be in the social consciousness for a long time, and he will stand the test of time. Now, Garrett, hit us with your number five. My number five is the aforementioned Conway the Machine album. God, don't make mistakes. This is a rare occasion where a hard-hitting rap project also gets very emotional and tackles both kind of feelings at the same time very well. And the beats are very hard and kind of goes beyond the Coke rap. This goes beyond the tough, like, gangster rap. This really is a look into the human experience. And Conway really peels back some layers and kind of shows you a little more of the human side of things, whereas a lot of the times we get borderline fictitious personas that we see in this kind of music. But it's very stripped down. It's scaled back. It's honest. The whole, the production is crisp. The features are nice. It was my, probably my second favorite rap album this year. 
or my third favorite rap album this year, I should say. Well said, brother. Now, on to my fourth pick. And I think all of you will agree, this is easily a top five record. Cave World by Viagra Boys. Oh, Lord, it's so mm. good. Bruh. Yes. This album slaps. Slaps. This is the best punk record of 2022. And it's close. There were so, there was so much good punk that came out this year, but this one killed it for me. Dude, Cave World perfectly captures what it feels like to navigate the world in this day and age over some of the stickiest hooks and energetic punk instrumentals aided by Sebastian Murphy, who continues to be one of the most interesting voices in the modern punk renaissance. I can't get enough of this record, dude. I love Sebastian Murphy's quirky, kind of weird style. I know you kind of compared him to like the Clash singer a little bit, and I, and I see that. I actually do see that, and I, I love, I think he is one of the most exciting and interesting voices in punk right now. Well, it's not just his voice, it's the whole, the sound of the band. Yeah. They've, it's very nasty. Yeah, they sound so much like the late 70s Clash. It's ridiculous. It, that is the first thing that I noticed when I'm listening to the record. From the first track. I was like, this is the Clash. This is the reincarnation of the Clash. Or this is what the Clash would sound like if they came out in 2018, like these guys did. Yeah, the Viagra Boys, they are killing it right now in the punk scene. And this this is a nasty, dirty, grungy little record. Not grungy in the sense of, like, it's gross and, in a good way. And I don't mean to say that they don't stand on their own. They're not. They sound like the Viagra Boys, for sure. It's just... I can tell there's a lot of heavy influence there, and it it's a praising comparison. No, I know what you mean. Check this thing out. Anyway, James, hit the floor. Give it to us. What's your number four? Not Tight by Domi and J.D. Beck. This is the most exciting jazz fusion project I've heard. I mean, the music is amazing. Don't get me wrong, but these two are just so young, man. They're so young. They and have so much potential. And yeah, and that's not a detracting thing. They're bad motherfuckers while being young. And that just means, like you said, they have so much potential. I, they have such a bright future, and I cannot wait to see where they're going to take their sound next. This is a quintessential modern jazz fusion record that anyone who is even remotely interested in the genre has to listen to. Well said, man. Garrett, give us your number four. Number four is Cave World by Viagra Boys. The singer has so much personality. It's just, he's so creative. He's so funny. He's such a wild character. I think he's one of, as far as personalities go and vocalists, he's the most interesting that is out, that is out right now. They could fart over a walkie-talkie, and he would probably make it interesting and, like, funny in some way, but also parroting and giving a look on the extreme societal events that are happening in the modern yeah. world today. Yeah, it's, it's just very so topical. interesting. Yeah. Very topical record. Yes. That's kind of what I meant when I said it perfectly like captures oh, yes. what it feels like to navigate this day and age. It's such a distillation of everything that's going on in society right now and I fucking love that. This is my favorite album that Mac has introduced me to this year. I'll take that. Now for number three, I think this is the best electronic record of the year and of the decade so far. Dark Life by Death's Dynamic Shroud is such a creatively produced album that sounds like it came from another dimension while still maintaining accessibility. 
it's a very out there record, but I feel like I could recommend this to somebody and they would get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It has a lot of uh, vaporwave edge. They're they're from the 100% electronic label, George Clanton's label. You know, I got like Negative Gemini and Caroline Love Glow and all those vaporwave adjacent artists, Vaporor, you know. And I've been following that label a lot, but these guys are, in my opinion, the best group to come out of that label and one of the most interesting electronic music collectives out right now. This is a all-encompassing, diverse, and very very exciting and palatable record and it's a fucking trip man this record is insane the the journey that this album takes me on is nuts and they have so many different sounds too some songs are very like punchy and glitch like some of some of their songs in there like uh, judgment bolt reminds me a little bit of some old school like glitch mob and then some of the songs some of the opening tracks are very Almost remind me a little bit of the Ghost in the Shell soundtrack. It could be a soundtrack to like a cyberpunk movie has you know all those vaporwave mm, elements. Yes. There's so many sounds in like a cohesive blanket that doesn't really get done in these genres a whole lot without it kind of sounding all over the place. So the fact that it's this concise and creative is and consistent is wonderful. Mm. Yeah, I guess if I had to throw it in like a genre category, it'd probably be like glitch pop. It's catchy, it's diverse, it's creative. It's full of life. It's otherworldly while still maintaining accessibility. It's just a great record. It's easily one of the records I've gone back to the most this year, and it's a fucking experience. Check this thing out, please. Anyway, James, give us your number three for 2022. Marchita by Silvana Estrada. Jesus Christ, dude. This, <laughs> this album is insanely emotional and just absolutely gorgeous it is angelic at times and i can understand some people may not like her voice or singing style but you're wrong i'm sorry the, the, <laughs> yeah. her voice to me is absolutely beautiful and her chops are just insane the way she moves from her head voice to her regular voice just back and forth and so quickly and so concisely she has perfect breath control and just not to mention the accompanying music, soulful and extremely emotional lyrics. There's a sadness to it that envelops you while you're listening to it. Now, me and Mac did have a very interesting conversation about this off the mic, that it is harder and that where I feel as a non-native speaker of the language, or, you know, someone that doesn't speak the language in general at all, it is kind of hard to translate that emotion, especially in the lyricism for like singer-songwriters like, and folk musicians and stuff. It is hard to translate that by just looking at the lyrics after it kind of loses something. Like I told him, I was like, but I enjoy Pablo Nutani as much if he spoke in another language and if he sung in another language. Like when I get that emotion, I was like, I don't think I'd be as connected. I don't think I'd be as as emotional. But... And so that was a little nice little food for thought. And I, while I thought her voice was phenomenal, I felt like the instrumentals were a little too bare bones at times. I liked what Natalia did more with the string accompaniment and like the softer, yeah, like, like the like flamenco guitar guitars. Flamenco. Yeah, some of the guitar parts in Marchita were felt a little too simplistic, were a little too bare bones for me. But her voice is insane. Next level. Yeah. I'll cap in with the fucking instrumental shit again. I, I like the record a lot more than he does. 
I actually think it's great. It was like, I think it landed on like 16 or 17 on my list. I love the record too, but I, I kind of see where you're coming from, Garrett. With something as intimate as like a folk record like that, there might be some disconnect with another language. Also on that same note, I've enjoyed a lot of world music that I don't understand at all and still mm-hmm. like had a connection and enjoyment to it. So it, it's kind of a, kind of a double-edged sword. Music in other languages that's like centered all about like the lyrics and the vocals doesn't really get me as much because one, I'm an instrumental guy like at heart first and foremost, but two, it's putting so much of an onus on that when that when you have that language barrier disconnect, you don't end up enjoying it as much unless you're like a part-time speaker. There's some Spanish songs that I know enough about to kind of know what's going on and get like get the gist, but in some languages I'm just completely lost, especially like Japanese music. I do not speak a lick of Japanese. So I'm pretty much relying solely on like own translation. It does lose something. With this record, I feel like you can enjoy it after you read the lyrics as well. I enjoyed yeah. it on a first listen. I really connected with it. Yeah. Yeah. Same and, here. and like emotionally speaking, not necessarily from like a lyric standpoint, but you can feel it from the way she performs the music. Yeah. The feeling you get, the emotion of the performance. I think it's there, but. I see what you're saying. It's kind of like when you have to go on fucking genius and like deconstruct a complicated song or mm-hmm. something like that to like truly enjoy it. And there is an appeal to that, but you got to work a little harder. Yeah. Plus online translators are not always reliable. Yeah. So. yeah that's another thing. I think you bring up a valid point. Garrett. That being said, hit us with your number three, Garrett. My number three is it's almost drawn by Pusha T. While this not, isn't the number one, what I think is the best album. This was my, most replayed album of 2022. I think it has the best beats out of any rap album. I mean, maybe not the best like production, like it's not as crisp, but the best beats. I mean, Kanye and Pharrell both worked on a side of this album. I think it is Pusha T's best album, lyric wise and performance wise. He has so many different flows and like cadences. He's he really switches things up from Brambleton to a bunch of the other songs. And I really think that the only one that didn't carry their weight as much as this album is Kanye. Everyone else knocked it out of the park. Pharrell's side does not have a bad song on it. And his beats are some of my favorite. I love the beat for Brambleton. And I love Call My Bluff and how it's kind of, it's, it's monotone, but it's interesting monotone. It's got like that villain aura to it. It's making coke rap instead of like, oh, we're just selling coke to get by. Whereas Conway is like, we did all these things, and it, you know, it really hurt us. Oh, Push T is almost like, yeah, I did those things. I'm a bygone. I don't care. And that has that overall look to it. Almost like he's playing a character. I thought that was really entertaining. Great record overall. Killer. Very replayable. I think it's his best solo album to Absol- date. Absolutely. I wouldn't put it over his stuff with clips, but it's, it's up there. I didn't love it as much as you guys, but it still bumps. I'm a Push T stand. All right. Number two. Y'all saw this coming. Black Middies, Hellfire. Mm-hmm. Bro, what, what can I say about this record that hasn't already been said? I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to gush. Black Middies, Hellfire is by far the best rock album of the year. It's, it's not even close. Easy. Yeah, it's, not, it's nowhere near close. It's explosive, dense instrumentals mixed with old world themes, nightmarish depictions of purgatory, and a vast array of musical influences make Hellfire the most chaotically exciting rock album of the year. And I think these guys are at the forefront of modern prog music right now. If they stay on this track, they're heading to 
all-time great status. I love this record so much. The musicianship is insane. The diversity of the tracks and how well they execute each of these styles. I mean, there's cabaret in this album. There's show tunes. There's country. It's a fucking roller coaster, dude. Yeah. I just give this thing a listen. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> I can't argue with that, and, man. And somehow it's still pretty accessible. I was still blown away by that fucking six-stroke roll in the beginning of one of their songs. Dude, Welcome to Hell is one of my favorite songs of this year. <laughs> it's like top five. Yeah, these guys are at the cutting edge of the modern rock music movement right now. Please listen to them. It's not going to be for everybody. I'll say that. But it's still a lot of fun. This record is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I love it so much, and it just barely got edged out for number one this year. It was so close between this and my number one. It was ridiculous. But anyway, James, hit us with your number two. Viagra Boys, the same album you have all praised before. This, I believe, is one of the best rock records, period, from the past five, hell, even ten years. And... It has all the great things that you would expect from a great punk record. There's nothing more I can say about it that you guys already haven't had, so to avoid redundancy. That's fair. That's fair. Let's move on. Fair and valid. So what's your number two pick for 2022, Garrett? Cheat Codes by Danger Mouse and Black Thought. Hit us with it, Garrett. There were really two camps of albums that came out this year. The features just completely sucked, or the features knocked out of the park. And this was the shining example of the features all being great. I mean, from ASAP Rocky to that MF Doom cut they brought out of the vault. Danger Mouse has some of his best beats in years since, like, the Donald's Barkley years. And he kind of has more restraint, kind of has that old school, like you were saying, like those dusty tone. He's not getting really wildened out there with, like, the film samples and all the movie stuff like he did and you know some of his older projects but he brings it he he tailors his game to black thought like a coach tailors his game plan to the players and i think that is what really makes the album special black thought brought his a game like he always does and he chose really good rappers that all complimented him like asap joey badass all rappers that I love and enjoy as well. So it was yeah, like run the jewels yeah it's like seeing all your friends gather in a room for a party and you have fun like you're supposed to and nothing bad happens. You go home and you can look back on that night and say, I enjoyed it. Like everything went according to plan and we all had a great time. Amazing. Great record. Now for my number one pick of 2022, my album of the year. Forever Story by Jid. This is the only 9.5 out of 10 I gave this year. Only one. I almost gave this record a 10. Jid continues to evolve and outdo himself with each project he releases. And the forever story is the culmination of everything that Jid has worked for up to this point from its diverse sound to its poignant themes, killer hooks and incredible beat selection. This album is the entire package. You've got catchy songs. You've got party songs. You've got tender, soulful cuts. You've got soft, smooth easy tracks to listen to bangers it's it's got everything you want in a rap record and then some and on top of that the concept itself is very poignant the forever story 
is about how hip hop, you know, and rap continues to tell the same stories over and over again in this perpetual cycle, like nothing changes. And that's a, that's a hard message. That's a tough message to swallow. I love forever story because it kind of observes in like almost a meta way, the story and the narrative of hip hop as a genre. And it goes deep into Jid. It breaks down his personal life. And on top of that, it brings you some fun, crazy, fantastic bangers. He even says it in the opening lines of the first track. Tells you exactly what's going on. This is fantastic. I fucking love this record. And with this album, I think Jid has solidified himself as one of the best rappers in the game right now. Listen to this album. You will not regret it. And with that, James, what is your 2022 album of the year? That would be Cheat Codes by Black Thought and Danger Mouse. The only 10 that was given out this year yes. to a modern record from yes. our show. Yes. And it came from me, of all people. <laughs> I, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Dude, I fucking love this record. Everything that I love, that I have come to love, thanks to you, Mac, that I've come to love about old school hip hop is on this record. The organic and soulful production and beats. While the subject matter of the album is very hard hitting and really thoughtful, the beats, the instrumentals are very warm and inviting. You can't help but want to listen to what he has to say, but also have fun and dance while doing it. The record is kind of a assortment of pretty much everything that the African-American community has dealt with and are still dealing with today. And as kind of a connection to the Forever Stories theme, it illustrates that nothing has changed. And that is an extremely poignant message. But not to mention the absolutely incredible flow and lyricism and just talent of Black Thought himself. My God. Absolutely insane. I believe, Mac, you may have overhyped yourself a little bit for this, but man, for someone that was coming in fresh and had no expectations, it blew me away. I love it, and I could not recommend it enough. Please listen to it. Yes, go listen to that. Garrett, close it out, man. What's your album of 2022? Best album of the year. Hit it. Hellfire by Black Midi. <laughs> this is the best rock album in a very disappointing year overall for rock. And this thing has everything. This thing has scathing vocals, great imagery and concept. It's got riffs out the butt. It's got great drums. It's got a fusion. And not like a fusion of genres where it goes overboard. When we say like, oh, this album has show tunes and it has cabaret. It's not like they're getting on and playing like, hello, my baby, hello, my honey. They're, they're incorporating very slight influences. They're not like completely changing the song and have it all over the place. It's incredibly concise. It is paced super well. It has probably has some of the best pacing of an album this year. I mean, everything is consistent. And even songs that I didn't particularly, I felt kind of meh. Toward, I now love. 
And that really just goes to show you the staying power of this record. If I had one nitpick of it, it was that it's not, it takes you like several listens for it to fully devolve. And there's a lot of albums like that out there. I mean, that's just some of the, you know, in a lot of fusion records, that's just the name of the game. But I've loved every part of this record. In fact, it, I've almost kind of spoiled myself because going back and listening to some of Black Midi's other records, I've just been, I'm like, I've enjoyed them, but I haven't enjoyed them this much. So it, they've almost played spoiler to themselves. But yeah, this is the best. I, I gave this like a nine or a nine and a half, and it deserves every bit of it. Well said, guys. And with that, what a great year for music 2022 has been. It's been a lot of stuff that I didn't expect. I have been thrown for a loop a lot this year with records that kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, you know, the artists I was looking forward to just kind of falling to the wayside mostly or not really bringing it like I wanted them to. But I think this has been a great year for music and I can't wait for 2023 and what it has in store. Well said. And with that being said, guys, any final thoughts before we close out? I'm all good, man. Alrighty, well... This is Off The Key Podcast. This is 2022 in review. And we're out of here. Thanks, guys. here and i just wanted to give a shout out to lacrembo for the intro and outro music also check out our link tree for where to follow us we are on instagram and facebook and a variety of streaming platforms and if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow it'd be greatly appreciated thanks guys see you later